Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. You know, to be honest, the actual physical act of sex is pretty straightforward. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, it can also be extremely complicated. This is because it isn't simply a matter of inserting tab A into slot B. Sex isn't just a physical act. For most of us, it's also an emotional one. And it's here where most of the trouble comes in. In healthy, happy marriages, what goes on in the bedroom is about 10% of the focus of the relationship. But in troubled marriages, that can jump to as high as 90% of what people are focusing on. And this actually leads to some really troubling statistics. 15 to 20% of marriages today are considered sexless, and that means that they have sex less than 10 times per year. And you might think that this is only happening with couples who've been married a long time and have gotten bored with each other, but it's also happening in relatively new marriages, people who've been married less than five years. So to get to the heart of why this is happening, and more importantly, what can be done about it and how you can avoid it in your relationship, I'm joined by counselor and relationship coach Lisa Merlo-Booth. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about this really important topic. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Leslie. Because I know and you know that the two reasons, well, there are three reasons why people come to get help. Um, Money, (laughs) communication, and sex. And sex, And it's always a biggie. (laughs) And um, you have a blog called Straight Talk for Women blog, and you've written about how to squash sex and intimacy in your marriage, which implies that there's actions people are doing that are making this happen. So what is actually driving the increasing number of sexless marriages that we're seeing today? So I would say there are kind of two groups to that. So one, there's the subtle things of everyday life, and the second are kind of brash things, such as character and how people are showing up. Uh So the subtle things include just life, right? People, they, they get caught up. They're overwhelmed. They're busy. They're working too long. They're distracted. They're exhausted with the kids, you know. Uh-huh. They're mind-numbing through technology, and they're doing all of these things without keeping their finger on the pulse, so to speak. So they just kind of lose sight of their marriage. It's it's not It's not a purposeful thing. It's just, like I said, it's, they don't have their finger on the pulse, and uh-huh. they're not paying attention to it. So, well, Yeah, and it's so hard now. I mean, that's one of the things that I hear all the time when I'm talking about how to reconnect with your partner. And the number one thing is start spending time together. (laughs) And then I get, but there's no time. And, of course, that's not entirely true. There is time, but like you said, with just the regular day-to-day little little rats on the treadmill that we are, mm-hmm. um, we, we do lose sight of that. 
Right. And we just we forget to make our relationship a priority. Mm-hmm. If your relationship is a priority and you have that at the forefront of your mind, you'll find the time. But instead, we're like, no, I just need to chill right now or no, I got to run this, I got to do that, I got to do the laundry. And so we let a thousand other things take precedence over our mm-hmm. relationship. And then like we wake up and we're like, huh? <laughs> like what happened? I feel so distant and and yeah, a sexless marriage is certainly one of the symptoms of that because you're just not prioritizing. Well, and it's really interesting because my I don't know what my husband was reading. He was reading something on the internet, an article, and it was talking about, you know, that nighttime sex is really not great and and whoever did this article said optimum time for sex is Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and they obviously don't have young children when they said well, that. <laughs> but it's it's really funny because you talk about that 9 o'clock. When, when I moved into the house I live in now, there's a church not terribly far away that has their phony church bells and music, but and I hated it when I first moved here, but the bells go off at 9 o'clock, <laughs> noon, and 6 p.m. So before my kids could tell time, it was like, you can't get out of bed until you hear the church bells ring. Oh, my so, God. That's <laughs> like, great. So we had this great time. It was like, okay, how much time do we have? <laughs> right, right. But, but yeah, well, it is. It's, it's really tough. And, and that is one of the big things that I think gets couples off track is when they have children because it is really hard. You, you've got a baby crying or you've mm-hmm. got you know, somebody standing outside your door. Yeah, that, that's, that's really romantic. You know, it's like, right. okay, hurry up and finish because, you know, the kids are like, Mom. Like, exactly. Yeah, that's, and, and That's not going to happen. Right, and couples are really, like, they don't, they don't want to schedule it. They want it to be spontaneous and mm-hmm. wild and passionate, you know, like it may have been prior to kids. But when life happens and you have kids, like sometimes you just have to schedule. Like you said, 9 a.m. on Sunday morning is great, <laughs> you know. Well, and then, the, and then the spontaneity can be, what do you do? I mean, you don't always have to do the same thing. The right. spontaneity can be all of that, you know. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) We're just setting aside time, and then whatever happens in that time is is great. But um, you talk about the second thing, which I think is, I don't know how common it is, um, but it certainly is much more damaging. And that's what you're talking about in terms of, of the character issues more than just because I, I think with couples if we can get them to see okay just start spending a little bit more time together I think they get that and and it's mm-hmm. that's a, something that's easy to implement but what's going on with what you're talking about about character issues yeah and I actually see this a lot I see this is common in my practice now I tend to get tough couples um, mm-hmm. but so character issue is you know, for example, the bully. So, mm-hmm. you know, I get women in my office and, and the men have, they really have a temper and and they get intimidating and they can rage and it's their, you know, everybody's like walking on eggshells around the home. Don't set dad off, right? Well, that'll burn out intimacy. It's really hard to be intimate with somebody who you are afraid of day to day. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, that, that's not going <laughs> to endear like, you. Oh, yeah, him. please. You've just called me horrible names. Now I want to go climb into bed with right. you. Right. <laughs> exactly. But, but, but the amazing part is that 
the people who, because it's not always the men, it can be women too, but, but for the most part it's the men. It's like, and, and they don't make the connection. It's like, no, <laughs> exactly. You and just were really mean and nasty to me, and now you want to have sex. Right, and this is what's so crazy-making in our culture. And, and I believe, like, in our culture, we our culture runs on a power-over paradigm, which we uh-huh. confuse power with aggression all the time. So you're right. Women absolutely can bully, and by and large, men tend to be the bulliers more often, right? Uh-huh. And so men just think, like, what's the big deal? Yeah, you made me mad, and damn right I'm going to yell, or damn right I'm going to be intimidating. And that has nothing to do with sex. And then when the women say no, they're, they're not feeling close to them, the men get more angry. Right. And it's like you cannot shoot yourself in the foot any harder. <laughs> than, <laughs> yeah, you kind of like, okay, how's this working for you? Because, right. you know, and then I would also think that even if a, even if a partner does say yes mm-hmm. out of fear, which is not a great yeah, aphrodisiac. Right. Um, then the sex can't be great. Exactly. Well, and so this goes along. So the bully, you know, bullying is one. Another one is the demanding partner who just, mm-hmm. you know, and this. So I'll say a couple that tend to be more male and a couple that tend to be more on the female spectrum. Understanding that both can crisscross, right? Correct. But, you know, typically the demander is also a male, and he kind of feels entitled to sex. You married me. You owe me sex. I've actually had men who have made it a point to have it in their prenuptial agreement that they were going to have, have sex so many times a week, right? And so what happens is they want sex when they want it, how they want it, and as often as they want it. Uh-huh. And if the women say no, the men get really angry about it. They get annoyed. They put out a stink. They, you know. They pout. They pout. And so I had this one couple. It was really interesting. They had an agreement that she wouldn't say no, that if she wow. didn't want to be sexual, what she would do is she would, just, she would agree to a quickie. And I said, well, wait a second. What do you mean? Like, what if you just really didn't want to? She's like, you know what? It's no big deal. It's easier than saying no to him because he just gets <sighs> mad. And I was like, wait a second. If you can't say no, then your yes is not a yes. That'll be the quickest way to kill out any sexual desire I can imagine. And so, like, the men need to realize you're not entitled, and pressuring it is not going to get you it any more than you demanding it. You just, you, it's not going to work. It's well, it's one of those things that it may work in the short run, but you right. have, but then it's the damage that's being done. Yes, yes. And, you know, I mean, and unfortunately, there is a segment of, society and my living in the south i tend to see this a little bit more frequently about the because it's it's my right as the husband yes you wives must submit and i cannot well okay yeah i cannot think of a more non-relational approach I, i just when i hear that i cringe and I think that is not serving the men any more than it is the women because what I see is the women, even if they continue to have sex with them, the women are seething. And they make these yes. men pay, they just don't do it directly. Exactly. Yeah, then, then we get other kinds of stuff going on, which right. isn't very helpful for the relationship. So, so what are some other characteristics, character so, issues? 
let me so let's talk about more of um so a female right so uh-huh. she'll be she might turn it she might be the denier and the denier is i i have a low sex drive i don't really i'm not really too into sex that much uh-huh. i don't ever initiate i'm often saying no i'm making up excuses um and yeah there's always a reason why it's not possible right there's always a reason and it's never quite the best time so their husbands are you know they're they're trying to be kind they're trying to treat them well. They're uh-huh. trying to, you know, and, but it doesn't matter. Any which way they try to approach it, the women, there's always some reason why. It, that's just not going to happen. Uh-huh. And so that's really hard because at some point the men stop trying. And the tricky thing is here, the men stop trying and the women are like, whew, thank God. Exactly. Whoa, the, okay. We, right. They, they, you know, we don't. He doesn't want it anymore. As exactly. I know, that's not true. Yeah. He does want it. It's just... And that's when the women, rather than breathing a sigh of relief, they should be worried. Well, but isn't there... An, and here's the thing about... And I guess it's not an excuse, but it is maybe more of an explanation um, that some women, and I count myself in that group, don't necessarily feel desire until they're actually physically aroused. So it's kind of like, okay, so it doesn't necessarily, you know, if you know, if my husband was waiting me, waiting for me to initiate until I felt desire, he'd be waiting a hell of a long time. Right. Uh, right, right. But but I'm also aware of that, and so I mean, I can initiate, you know. One can initiate even if one isn't necessarily feeling desire. But I think there's a lot of misunderstanding for both men and women that women aren't necessarily wired the same as men in terms of desire. Exactly. Well, and sometimes it's the men who have a low sex drive, right? Mm -hmm. In any couple, you might have one person who's got a higher desire and the other one has a lower, but you have to, you got to have conversations around that. You have to discuss that. And if one says, look, I'm just, I'm not an initiator, but I'm all for it. Like, if I can get into it, I will absolutely go for it, <laughs> you know? And so right. well, that's... if you, yeah, if you have that understanding. But the deniers, they, uh-huh. no, they're like, <laughs> it's not, I just they, don't they, don't they don't want it and they're not going to do anything right. to get it. Yeah, they're, the yeah, they're, the, they're, they're the flip side of the bully or, you know, or yeah. the one who feels entitled that, you know, your feelings don't matter, yes. which, of course, is disastrous for it's relationships. Disastrous. Right. You can't. And then, yeah, that, that won't work. So that's one of the women. Another one is, is the complainer. This, this can be either way. It also probably falls more on the women, which is like nothing's good enough. They're always tweaking, including the sex. And and this is tricky because it is really important to, you know, there are, there are some people who are just, they're not good lovers, right? Like, right. You know, and some men who are very selfish, they just, they just want to do it and they don't care about their partners, you uh-huh. know, how they're feeling. And some women who just want to, you know, be the receiver and don't want to, whatever. Right. And so, um, but the, so you do need to ask for what you need and want around sex, but not from a – you are not critiquing. Right? You, it, it can't be like, I hate when you touch me there, and, and 
you need to kiss me here. And then, gosh, you know what? The way you breathe really bothers me. <laughs> like, you know, so right. there and most of the time this is happening in the moment. And it's like, you know, people always say, you know, when, when do you have conversations about what you'd like sexually or whatever? I said, not in the bedroom unless, right. unless either one, something is feeling really good or number two, something is hurting. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, don't do that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because nobody, you know, that's a, a quick way for somebody to struggle with sexual performance because they feel like they're graded all the time, that it becomes an anxiety, not a joy. Right. So, Which defeats the entire, or one of the purposes of sex. Exactly. So, and this a, complainer can go, not, it's not just in the bedroom. Like, they might be just a micromanager in general. Everything's uh-huh. off. And so the person never feels like they're good enough anywhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just a constant, it's got that negative lens. That, that can certainly kill out. Right, which again eats away at the foundation of the relationship. Yes. This is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm having a really important conversation about sex and intimacy with relationship expert Lisa Merlo-Booth. And if you're struggling with this in your marriage, I encourage you not to wait another minute to address it. I invite you to send me an email or give me a phone call and take advantage of my free no-obligation strategy session on how to bring better sex and intimacy into your marriage. You can reach me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can shoot me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, no E, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com. Um, and so if, you're, if you recognize you or your husband or your whoever in any of these descriptions, I encourage you to really take this seriously. So, Lisa, you talk about other kinds of behaviors that can create intimacy issues in a, pro, in, in a relationship. What are some of those? Um, so, one, if you are working all the time, if you're a workaholic, Mm-hmm. You're never home, right? And then, you know, sometimes what I'll hear, again, this tends to be often more men tend to be workers. They're more performance-based, right? Mm-hmm. Although women are quickly catching up, I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, not, yeah. Somehow I think we need to take another look at that, but that's a whole other that's a right. topic for another day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I hear I get a lot of couples in here, and the women are like, you know, he's never home. I'm I'm lonely. I'm sad. And he'll be like, I'm making, I'm providing for this family, and you you don't appreciate me. And then it's like, you're not listening to her. You're right. providing for the home, but you're not actually being a participant in the home. Right, and, and you're so, not providing for some of the other things that that term means. Right. You know, emotional support, like, mm-hmm. you know, even even support in the house, like we're, we should be partnering together. And mm-hmm. this idea that your sole role is to be the breadwinner, even if the woman's not working, like they, she can't be working 24-7 and he comes home and she's still working, but his job's done and he comes in really late. Right. It, she's going to feel lonely. She's going to, and what happens is then 
she starts she starts complaining to him. He gets upset. Then he stays later because he doesn't want to come home because she's right because the to environment him. isn't pleasant. It's not and, pleasant, yeah, and, and the right? pattern continues. And the pattern continues. And then what happens is he succeeded. Now he huh? has really distanced himself, and she's no longer interested in sex. I don't. I'm not interested anymore. I'm working like a dog all the time. You don't listen to me. You don't think me. I have no voice here with you, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be intimate. So that's a, another piece, another thing that can happen. Um, and then another one is lack of emotional intimacy. Like mm-hmm. if Which you people have, really miss that one, I think. Yeah. It's like, and, and this is hard because men, men connect, men tend to connect through sex. That does bring intimacy for them. I also think it's connecting for women as well. However, mm-hmm. women like the emotional intimacy before they're going to be sexual. Right. And I so, call it the cosmic joke. It's like, who designed this system? You know, but, but in reality, it's, I tell people, you know, if you both, you know, if, if, you, if men will work on being a little bit more emotionally intimate before they initiate sex and mm-hmm. women will be a little bit more open right. <laughs> physically, everybody yeah. wins. Everybody it's like you have to take a little leap of faith. Exactly, exactly. Because yeah. it gets, it's hard. If, you're, if you can't have any honest conversations or kind of supportive conversations and then you're going to jump into bed, it's like lukewarm at best and certainly mm-hmm. lukewarm for women at best. Right. And, and they just they don't want to share. They don't want to share all of themselves if they can't even share emotionally with them, you know, themselves just doesn't doesn't work yeah and it's and 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 it is a real big disconnect so what what else what other kind of behaviors so with women women can um i call it like the cold fish she can turn into a cold fish where she's so concerned that if she gives if she hugs him it's going to turn into sex or he's going to get the wrong idea so now mm-hmm. there's zero she won't hold his hand if he goes to kiss her she's going to give her his cheek it, it, it's like there's she is ultra ultra um aware of giving zero sexual signs and so their relationship becomes just so cold and roommate like that there's nothing to play off of there's nothing to warm it up on well and i do think that there's kind of a flip side to that that yeah, and this I goes into the non-sexual touching, that mm-hmm. you need to be touching your, your, your partner at times in a non-sexual way. Yeah. Because if, if somebody is only touched as a, you know, as, as the way into sex, then I can, I mean, not, not that I think it's healthy, but I can certainly understand right. why somebody would pull back. Yeah. Because if the only time you touch me is because sex is on the table, then... You know, and I think this goes to um, for those people who have an emotional need for affection. Just, just you know, holding my hand or giving me a hug or patting my shoulder as you walk by or while we're sitting in the car holding hands. I mean, Mm -hmm. these you know these things that you know are are non-sexual. I think 
can also play into that. And Right. And that goes both ways. It's so important. Like, if it's the woman who's worried that he's going to get sexual, then she does. She's got to have a conversation with him, and she's got to hold his hand, like you said. Do, you know, nice, affectionate touching. Sit on the couch next to him. Put your hand on his leg. Like, little, give him a hug, that kind of thing. If she's worried that the man is... Or there's been a pattern where the man, anytime she did any of that, he immediately started going straight to sex no matter what she said. He's got to back off and stop. Like, well, and I think that women, that there's something or that... Or vice versa, whatever the sex is, but go ahead. Yeah, I think that there's something that also, that just because a man gets physically aroused doesn't necessarily mean he wants sex. Yes. Because sometimes it's just the physiological response. Now, I'm not going to say... He wouldn't necessarily want sex, but but just because he's physically aroused doesn't necessarily mean that that we have to go there. Right, right, absolutely. So, are there any other behaviors that can create? Oh, I'm sure there's a bazillion behaviors that can create problems. (laughs) There's so many. Um, You know, in two that I'll just name quickly, being a selfish lover. I mean, I Mm -hmm. mentioned that a minute. That's going to do it. Lack of appreciation, in particular for men, but this could go both ways, but men like to hear, like, you know, thanks. (laughs) Like, I appreciate (laughs) you. You're doing. And so I often hear from men, I feel like I can't do anything right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for women to pay attention and and to acknowledge and note and be thankful and, you know, it, it can't just be that our home, men or women, is just a place where we make up lists and we get things done and we're, <laughs> we have to remember on both sides, male and female, to be cherishing and loving to our partners. And yeah, what a concept. <laughs> right. I mean, it seems like we street, we treat strangers on this street on the street. Let me spit that out. Um, you know, better than we do our loved ones, and and that's backwards. Which, we, yeah, I mean, I say that all the time. And you know, we we sometimes worry more about what the grocery clerk thinks about us than we do our own partner. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that's that's just flipped on its head. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and and I think a lot of this has to do with some of those patterns that, you know, and, and it's why I always get. I don't know how you feel about this when you hear it, but it just makes me want to run into the street screaming about, you know, that the way to have a happy, successful relationship is for the man to just say, yes, dear. Like, ah! No, no. (laughs) You know, because that just, you know, and, and, and it just assumes that the woman always knows what's right in the relationship, which when you know that women are the ones who initiate about, 90% 90% of the divorces, you kind of wonder, okay, do they really know how to make a relationship work? Right. Um, well, and, I mean, that's going to be a quick road to resentment as well. You can't just keep saying yes, 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 and, and ignoring your own needs and wants. That's true for men or women on either side. It exactly. just doesn't work. So, you know, one other thing I just wanted to note on this is uh-huh. affairs. Uh-huh. Our world minimizes the impact of affairs all the time. And uh-huh. um, if you had an affair, I'm telling you, you have a lot, you have to earn trust. And she's, she or he, and I don't care if the man cheated or the woman cheated, I see it on both sides. Yep. It's very hard for them to be sexual, and you have a lot of trust that you have to earn. You cannot just move on. Can we let it go? I came back to you. Right. That yeah, thinking yeah. drives me crazy. Well, and what people have to understand is couples can survive affairs, but there's a 
there's, I don't know if you want to call it a system. There, there are things that have yes. to happen, and in, in rebuilding trust yes. is one of them. And it can't be, well, you know, that happened six months ago. Why are you still, <laughs> right. why are you still upset about it? Exactly. But what, you know, if somebody recognizes themselves in or their partners in these characteristics or behaviors, what, what can they do? The first thing you have to do is you have to have a conversation. And if, and I don't care who your partner is, even if your partner is the bully, mm-hmm. right? You have to find the courage to say, hey, this is not working for me. Mm-hmm. And you have to start setting limits and saying, listen, you keep pushing me to have sex, but I'm walking on eggshells around you all day, and I just want you to know that's going to be off the table for me until you work your anger, right? Um, if you have somebody who has a low sex drive and is always saying, no, 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 you have to have the conversation and say, listen, I love you, and I want us to stay married forever. I really do. And I also know I am not willing to be in a sexless marriage for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So we have to get help for this. I'm not willing to just kind of say, okay. And what people have to understand is that's not an ultimatum. No. It's actually, it's actually a promise. It's, it's trying to find, and, and I know you'll know what I'm talking about when I say this, it's trying to find where you have leverage in the relationship. If the relationship is important, then we have to be willing to take action to make it better. Yeah. And, you know, because it's, it's not enough to just kind of muddle through. I, one of my catchphrases is, I don't use miserable and marriage in the same sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's really hard because people can get into these patterns and not realize the long-term damage that they're doing. Right. right. And, you know, when you say, um, it, you know, it's not an ultimatum, it's funny. I don't have a problem with ultimatums. Um, and what I mean by that is if, I, if I'm asking you every which way but Sunday, like, uh-huh. we need to fix this, let's go get help, let's do this, and you block me every which way, right, uh-huh. I'm going to be clear and say, listen, if you're refusing to go, if you're refusing to, if this is a, a deal breaker for me, right, if it's a uh-huh. non-negotiable, I am absolutely going to be clear, listen, if you continue to block me, then I'm really sorry, I love you. And I'm going to have to leave this relationship. And I'm going to have to leave. Right. And you can call that an ultimatum, yeah. and I would call that a loving act. Because now, I would, too. Right I would, now, too. Yeah, because it's, and it's, and it's a loving act to me. It's like it I, is. I can no longer sacrifice, because I don't believe that sacrifice is necessary for healthy marriage. In fact, I think it's damaging in and of itself. Right. Again, conversation right. for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can no longer continue to sacrifice myself. And, yeah, absolutely. It's also a loving act to you mm-hmm. because I get, I, I have this saying that women leave marriages three years before they ever walk out. Absolutely. And so if I have the courage to tell you that if we don't do this, this, and this, I'm going to leave, that's my gift to you because now you know what you're looking at. Now you know, you know right. how serious is this. Yeah, because the danger is women try a lot of things frequently not as direct as that because I think mm-hmm. men get direct. Yes. And then they go underground, they're planning, and then yes. when they come up and say, okay, I'm done, the guys are like deer in the headlights, like, what's been going on? Right. So I definitely agree. And I would love to continue the conversation because this is really important, but I don't want to lose my listeners. Mm-hmm. So, Lisa, where can people find out more about 
intimacy, how to have a healthy marriage, um, all the stuff that you have done throughout the years. Great. You can check out my website, www.lisamerlobooth.com. Terrific. So as you probably heard, intimacy is much, much more than just the physical act of sex. You can have sex without intimacy, and you can be intimate without being sexual. But the most complete relationships have both. So if real intimacy is missing in your marriage, it's important to figure out why and then take action. The sooner you do it, the happier you will be. So until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.